0: Are you there I'm here man I'm so psyched and shocked that you agreed to have this discussion.
1: why are you shocked? I feel like we've done this I feel like we've actually done this talk about fifteen times in the past, so I just hope it's as interesting as the the last the last few times we spoke
0: well I think the uh the reason I'm shocked is that uh, I've known for a while what you guys are up to and have been really Uh, impressed with the thoroughness of your approach and commitment to tackling these issues, Uh, but I know you've been kind of going about it very quietly, and although I haven't taken a quiet approach, I think one thing I've appreciated about your approach that does align with mine is that it's been a, a patient and thorough approach, and it's great and so exciting to me that you guys are finally not only making moves with the fun, but getting, you know, getting more active externally and telling your story.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, from the, from the outset, I think, uh, and this, this speaks to Chris and Crystal's personality, but also mine. Um, we, uh, I think we, we recognize it was a lot more that we didn't know than what we did. And we wanted to make sure that we were, um, you know, getting smart and credible on a lot of these issues uh, because they're complex. And it's not just looking back at the history of clean tech investment over the last two decades and realizing that there are a lot of pitfalls, Um, but also just looking at the complexity of the types of things that we're investing in. Uh, It's a lot of hard tech and it requires um, a little more chemistry and physics and knowledge of energy systems than any of us had. Uh, when we got started um but also just you know drawing on the insights of so many other people, so I think we want to take our time um in both developing you know a comfort with the issues um and uh and the subjects um even before the the companies um because ultimately this is a really long this is a long road for us this is not a two to three year project this is i think what we're working on for the rest of our lives and so um you know taking that perspective and being able to see kind of down the field meant that um, you know taking a couple a couple extra months a couple extra beats to to compose ourselves and and speak with a little bit more credibility um, was was gonna be worth it in the end.
0: so when do you guys first get interested in doing things in this area?
1: Yeah, so I mean I think I would start by saying. Um, In our own ways, we've been working on these issues for a long time. Um, You know, Chris intersected with climate and energy issues going back to his days at Google. And it was a part of his investing over, you know, a decade at Lowercase Building, the most successful early stage fund of all time. And for me, um, climate and energy uh, had been... Uh, an area of passion. I had a couple of of jobs when I was super young. uh, And it was a part of my time within the Obama campaign administrations, but for neither of us was it our sole focus. Um, And almost three years ago, uh, you know, almost the day I was coming out of the Obama administration um, and asking myself some pretty foundational questions about what I wanted to work on next. And there were a lot of issues that were calling to me, but at the very top of the stack was climate. Um, that happened to, um, to coincide with a very similar conversation that I think Chris and Crystal Saka were having. Obviously we were very different career stages. Um, you know, they were coming up on a decade of, of, of founding and running the most successful early stage fund of all time. Um, but also knowing that going forward, um, on the, on, among all the other issues they wanted to work on that climate was at the top of the list. Um. And, and I think, you know, really to their credit, when we got started, we didn't want to make, um, it would have been obvious to, to just go into early stage investing in climate. Uh, as a world they knew really well, um, you know, they, their reputation preceded them. Um, and yet, from the outset, There was kind of a recognition that there might be other more impactful ways for us to get involved. Maybe we should just be focused on philanthropy. Maybe we should be accelerating early stage or basic research that's been overlooked by, you know, academia or the climate establishment for too long. Uh, Maybe there's some aggressive things we should be doing on the policy side. Um, And so from the outset, we spent a lot of time just speaking to people that have been doing this work for a while, reading journals. Looking up academics, speaking with philanthropists, um, and 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 as well as investors and, and entrepreneurs who are who are doing this work um, to try to understand where where we fit in and where we could have the most impact. Um, and so that was really the start of the journey, and that's part of the reason going back to you know why we were, you know, I think a little bit more restrained in talking about our work is it it took us a while to figure out exactly um, you know where we could have where we could have maximal impact.
0: So what's a while? How long have you been really diligently focusing on this area?
1: Um, coming up on three years now, um, where it's been kind of a core focus for us. I mean, there's still other issues that we worked on. We're, you know, uh, intently focused on trying to help uh, restore democracy and, and take back the White House. Like opportunity. But um, but I think for, for all three of us, climate is sort of the, the bulk of our work at this point and takes up, you know, more than 90% of our time and energy. Uh huh.
0: And given that you're three years in, uh, what are some of the key takeaways so far in terms of both the nature of the problem, but also some of the highest leverage things that we can do to solve it?
1: Yeah, so, you know, when we got started, or, you know, at least speaking for myself here, I I had kind of a an establishment set of assumptions around climate and environmentalism. And it's not so much that I had to like reset those, but we did have to sort of go back to first principles. And I think where we netted out after, you know, a lot of conversations, a lot of reading is we, you know, the highest level we see the world in kind of three buckets. Bucket one for us is reducing emissions. This is the most urgent task for uh, everyone working in this space. How do we go from about 43 gigatons of CO2 emitted in, um, in 2019, I think that's the latest number, to zero as quickly as possible? Um, and um, that's also the space that for for a while has, has attracted the most um, investment capital, and government funding, Um, philanthropic uh, um, capital as well, although we need a lot, lot more. Uh, That space is, you know, in in reducing emissions. Um, But what we realized is that, you know, this was an area where where we could definitely have some impact, especially focusing on hard to decarbonize sectors of the economy. Uh, But when it came to energy generation and going, you know, getting to 100% renewables, um, pushing wind and solar, um, those were areas where there were smarter people than us um, deploying different types of capital, working on project finance. Um, and so what we realized is that, wow, this is the, you know, in a lot of ways, this is where it all starts is reducing emissions, that, that our focus would be um, on the kind of harder to decarbonize parts of, of the economy, things like chemicals, and transportation and cattle um, and, um, and, and other sectors that, you know, represent consistently high um, emissions, but um, don't, you know, uh, or haven't historically been um, been recipients of of a lot of funding um, bucket number two is is uh, removing c o two from the atmosphere I mean this is something you've talked a lot about on the on the pod but um you know this was kind of a key learning for us and and today c o two removal i think is a much more widely accepted um Accepted path, then then it was even when we got started three years ago. I think a big turning point was the IPCC report last fall, uh, or you know in, in the fall of uh, in the fall of 2018. But when we got started, it, it wasn't so obvious. So it wasn't at least as is commonly acknowledged that um, that removing CO2 was uh, was so critical. But I think as, as we started to kind of do the math for ourselves, realizing that over the coming century, we have to figure out how to remove, you know, conservatively a trillion tons of CO2 from the atmosphere, um, that that was one of the most inspiring, you know, kind of a turning point for us, realizing this is an area that Kind of uniquely, uh, uniquely called for a portfolio of solutions that we really didn't know how to do it today, um, and uh, that uh, we were starting to see a lot of a lot of innovation on on the research side, but also uh, also obviously on the startup side. Um, so that's bucket two. That's reducing emissions, and then um, removing CO two, and then bucket right. Yeah, sorry, sorry, that's right. Removing CO two. And on that front, you know, we're doing, uh, you know, we're doing everything from uh, how to plant trees faster and modern ecosystems to soil carbon removal to enhanced weathering and, um, you know, sucking CO2 straight out of the air with a big vacuum. So, so again, it's everything, you know, it's, it's technological solutions, it's natural ones. And I think we have to take a really broad view, uh, because we don't really know what's going to work and and what's going to scale yet. And then bucket three for us is buying time. Um, you know, this is everything from reflecting sunlight to brightening clouds and finding other ways to actively cool the planet, to give ourselves a little bit more breathing room to succeed in buckets one and two. When I got started, um, you know, working with Chris and Crystal, uh, this was an area where I was a lot more skeptical um, than, than Chris. And it, it took me a little while uh, to get to a point where where I realized that from an environmental justice standpoint, this is maybe the most important work that we do. Today, we only invest in 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 nonprofit and uh, in academic research in this area, and I, I hope and I, I believe that there will never be a a profit motive associated with this type of work. Um, but this is also what we work on that has the greatest potential to save human, planet, animal life. And so um, you know it's a it's a kind of a, a really critical pillar for us. But those are the th- those are the three those are the three buckets, reducing emissions, removing c o two, and then buying a little bit more time um, uh, for, for the people on the front lines. Um, and, um, yeah. And so, uh, over the last few years, we've, we've built up a portfolio that's coming up on, on, on 20, on 20 companies. Um, and then a few more organizations that are, that are working across these, these areas.
0: And uh, so when you talk about these areas, that's where you think the opportunities are from a domain standpoint, or not necessarily the opportunities, but where you think they're, well, opportunities to have impact, I, I should say. Uh, so I, I have a couple of kind of buckets I've, I'd love to dig into if it's okay. One is just, Let's do it. Uh, yeah, What one is uh, for those buckets, where does innovation sit versus the other things that you could do, like uh, like policy, uh Um, you know, like grassroots advocacy, uh, um, et cetera. Uh, And then the other piece is within innovation, in those buckets, how do you spot, you know, how do you spot opportunity and what's investable?
1: Sure. So I think that um, across all three of those buckets, uh, there's, there's a lot of work that needs to be done on the innovation side. There's a lot of work that needs to be done on the policy side. There's a lot of work that needs to be done on the kind of activism and just, um, you know, building a, building a movement, um, of, of people and you can't, um, those things are inextricably connected. Um, that said, our focus, uh, while, while we do a little bit of, of all three of those, our focus is definitely on the innovation side. Um, because, uh, like today, even if even if the rules changed um with respect to things like carbon removal and we had a price on co2 we just don't know how to do it very efficiently and so um you know i i I don't think that we can be uh too concerned with um doing one at the expense of the other we have to do them all um but uh but but for us innovation is is where it starts and i think you know the 10 year timelines, we'd start, we'd, you know, we'd see companies and entrepreneurs come to us with pitches that said like, Hey, we're developing direct solutions. And, you know, we'll know within two or three years, not seven to 10, whether this is something that can scale. Uh, And in some cases, like, this is hard science, right? It's not always going to get there. Uh, But, uh, but we're working with with the bridge timelines and and the kind of um, you know the, the the kinds of pressures that you see um, in in startups and in plenty of other sectors. And so um, that's that's where we've been trying to push things along.
0: And how much of your innovation focus is because you believe innovation is the highest leverage area versus uh, the highest leverage area for you, given the specific expertise of the firm?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I, I, so I think like it's a it's a really high leverage area. Um, I, I don't have a very precise formula for like you know um, kind of globally uh, exactly what percentage of our of our budget should be devoted to innovation although I'm sure that there are some folks out there very smart have done that work. Um, from our standpoint though, I think what we realized as we were kind of doing the analysis to figure out you know where we could have the greatest impact um, is that innovation was just the most natural fit. Um, these were the communities that we had relationships to. These were the, this was the area where, um, you know, where I think, uh, the SACA name and, um, and the, the lowercase reputation had the biggest signaling power. And frankly, it's also the place that we were just most inspired by. I mean, it's on some level. I mean, I, I think this is part of your story too, Jason, like just realizing that this is what we wanted to wake up and do every day was a really, really big factor. You know, we... You know, we were really privileged to work on on a, you know just a re- incredibly rewarding set of issues. You know, co- with companies that were building technology to, uh, you know, to increase civic engagement and win elections, uh, to fix voting, to you know reduce the uh, you know reduce the populations of people who are who are in prison, um, and um, and then of course all this work on climate. And at the end of the day you know, with everything that's happening in the world, the, the, the place that we kind of that we kept wanting to come back to because it was such a fount of inspiration um, were the entrepreneurs that were working, uh, working on climate. And so, you know, I, I could, I could um, give you a, a kind of a long-winded rationale for exactly how we arrived at a measurement of like, this was our ROI, our leverage. But at the end of the day, this is, you know, this was the work that was most inspiring and that we realized, okay, this is something that we can really dig into and have an impact, you know, that we can measure over the course of decades.
0: So if I look at the types of capital that are coming into the space, uh, on the one hand, you've got traditional VCs, and with traditional VCs, what I've typically heard from them <coughs> is we are uh, we are a profit profit focused, and we are here to optimize profit. We believe that there's opportunities here, and by the way, it's nice that we're in an area that can you know do good for the world, but we don't necessarily have you know specific metrics or thresholds that we're measuring against. That's kind of one type of capital, uh, and that's more like traditional venture capital. Then on the other side, you have people like Breakthrough Energy Ventures, and they say, uh, hey, we have a gigaton threshold. It needs to be a half a gigaton in order for us to even look at the opportunity that it has the potential to remove a half a gigaton of carbon from the atmosphere. But once it passes that filter and they have a whole formula and team devoted to doing those calculations and doing that analysis, once it passes that filter, there's just like an, another fund, for-profit motivated. Um, what is the lower-carbon ethos in this regard?
1: Yeah, totally. And by the way, I, I would I would put one more um, kind of approach out there, which I think is important because I think it's super innovative. Um, there's a fund in in, in London called uh, Future Positive, which have actually tied uh, their carry as as GPs to their sustainability outcomes. Um, and you know that's taking it a step further than than I think even where, where Breakthrough is. And Breakthrough have obviously been been remarkable leaders in this space. Um, what what I would say from the standpoint of of lower carbon is um, I, I, I would I would answer that question in two ways. To succeed, we're going to need to attract so much more funding into this space. Um, and fundamentally, to make that happen, it's going to have to be a space that traditional venture funds, um, who are you know in it because they're greedy, um, uh, are going to have to be able to justify to their LPs. Um, that these investments will make the money and that this is not just like a, you know a fancy form of impact investing um, so th- that that all has to be true about this space at the same time from our perspective I mean and you know this story because we've talked about this so many times but we arrived here because it was the place where we could have the biggest impact and what we realized about investing in in climate tech is that the the impact and the financial returns were inextricably linked um, in, in not every case is it exactly one to one, but there's a bunch of companies where it's going to be very close. If I'm investing in a carbon removal company whose success as a business is a function of how efficiently they can suck CO two out of the sky, um, then their impact is really hard to dissociate from uh, from from their financial performance. And that's one of the that's honestly one of the virtues in this space is that you can come here because um, and start doing this work because you. Are you know wake up every morning uh, terrified of the future that awaits us, and you want to desperately change the world for the seven you know the seven to eight billion people um, who are going to be impacted by a changing climate, or you can do this because you just want to get rich. I think you know one of the. Um, one of our fellow travelers in the space and uh, a fund that have been just absolute leaders, um, 50 years fund. Uh, Seth Bannon recently outlined the, the Mr. Burns test for investing in, in climate tech and a bunch of other hard tech areas. Um, and his point was, you have to be able to sell all these investments to, um, you know, the most hardened, uh, greedy, um, least empathetic person in the world. Um, it Because that's what's going to take to succeed. And, um, and, uh i I think that's a you know um we, we we can we can spend a lot of time thinking about like why it's disappointing that that's the that's a threshold we have to hit um but i think but I think that the more important thing is that we're seeing a lot of companies that where the investment can easily be justified on that basis um uh, and that's really exciting to me and again that's that's why we started doing this work as we were seeing, an, you know such a broad range of companies across a bunch of sectors that mm-hmm. You know, in a lot of cases, we're more exciting than stuff we were seeing in the kind of lowercase portfolio, and so it's it was became at a certain point like a no brainer to start working in this space. So, so I hear
0: that, and and I think it's great, and I agree with all of it. Um, but I guess one point of clarification I'm looking for is that on the mission side, impact, you walk me through a really thorough uh, thought process of the buckets that you're focused on. There's reducing emissions. There's removing CO two. There's buying time, uh, right? And then and then within those areas, you think there's opportunities for impact. Um, but then there's another lens, which is the profit. And I get that there's a, a profit motive and that that's important. And again, I think that's great and agree. Um, uh, but, but within that profit motive, you can invest in seed stage equity. You can invest in growth equity. You can invest in project finance. You can invest in capital light businesses. You can invest in hard tech businesses with lots of science risk. You can in, invest in uh stuff with a bunch of regulatory risk and that you know needs to be actively working in dc and with state governments so when you like see, you go through and you determine here's the areas where we think there's the biggest impact but did you do a similar thorough pass as it relates to where the biggest financial opportunities are and how focused are you guys versus generalist in your approach
1: yeah, so that's a really great question, and I think that the answer here is that as we're kind of beginning to um, to evaluate this space, one of the things that we saw, or one, it kind of one of the kind of foundational beliefs that that we developed over time, was that some of the most valuable companies of uh, the next decade um, are going to be working in climate tech, and they're being built right now, like as we speak, and in the and in the couple of years to come. Uh, and so, from a return profile. Um, it, you know, like investing early and and beginning to build up this space, which is still very nascent, right? There are very few companies that are in a, you know, that are, are ready for, you know, series, series B and even fewer than a series C or series D stage. And so um, I, I could definitely see um, part of our investment focus evolving over time. Uh, as as some of these companies grow and, you know, depending on, depending on what um, tra- traditional or generalist VCs, um, you know, how their perspective on this space evolves, you know, maybe we, maybe a few years from now we're more focused on 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 series a and series b um but the fact is that um you know uh you know in 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 a lot of ways that you know the economics that were driving us here the same economics that drove lowercase to be a venture you know to be an early stage fund um in the beginning which is just you know this is where the biggest multiples were and this is where we could show people that um that that not only uh was there like you know, really fascinating technology that was going to, you know, change change the face of the world that was being built. Um, but um, it was going to it was going to make uh, uh, a lot of people really wealthy in the process.
0: So if I've got a startup that fits in one of these areas, and I'm evaluating whether to take money from uh, Lower Carbon versus Sequoia or USV or Prime Coalition or Breakthrough Energy Ventures or or Prelude or Congruent or any of these other players. Um, I guess, who are the, like, who do you most align with there? And, and are you competitive in those deals or complementary? And if you're complementary, what's different?
1: Sure. So um, I think the, the first thing just to point out is how many different funds you just mentioned. A lot of them are kind of entering the space very recently. And that's unambiguously a good thing. Um, it's it's a just a strong indication of the quality of the companies that are being founded, but also that there's a, a kind of where I think we're at the at the beginning the beginning part of a sea change in the industry. Um, look, each of those funds has a slightly different focus, um, and uh, I don't expect that funds like USV or Sequoia, for that matter, are going to completely you know rewrite their DNA um, in 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 connection with the opportunity that they see in climate. Um, they're just going to, you know, in the same way that, you know, kind of, you know, tech took over the world, um, and it touches every single industry today, um, I think climate will in a lot of respects as well. And so I think that, um, that at a certain point, it's going to be coming upon all funds to begin to think about you know where does climate intersect with our investment thesis? Whether we're you know focused on hardware and robotics, or we're doing enterprise software, um, or um, or whatever else it is that you know that that your fund is is focused on and specialized in. Um, I think up until this point, you know, we've tried to be uh, as complementary as possible. Um, you know. I'm not a scientist, neither a Chris or Crystal. Um, you know, part of is, you know, we're, we're beginning to expand the team and bring on a little bit more um, technical knowledge, but the places that we're, where we can add value are not going to be, um, you know, in, 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 a tinkering with, uh, uh, with, with a prototype to, um, you know, with, to, to suck CO2 out of the sky. Um, it, like we add value in different ways and a lot of it is going to be more around storytelling and, uh, talking to traditional investors and, um, beginning to refine a, you know, media plan as companies are beginning to, to think about, um, how, how they tell their story to consumers, um. And so, in a lot of cases, we found that, that that's really complementary to what other funds can offer, um, and uh, and I, I I hope and I think that our our the companies in our portfolio would tell you the same thing. Uh, but I but I think as as you just you know as you outline the the the, the funds that are beginning to work in this space, I think that the really important takeaway for everyone is that like. This is a good thing for the companies um you know this is to this today this is a super collaborative space um you know when when i see something cool i've you know i send it to you and you send it to me and i think that that's kind of broadly reflective of what happens um among the the set of investors and family offices and angels that are working in this space everyone as much as they they want to make a great investment you know and you know end up on the midas list um we're mostly motivated by by a desire to to make the world a better place and 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 to begin to address the climate challenge and so i think that 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 makes it a little bit easier um for people to be kind of collaborative um and um and and really develop partnerships in a way that maybe is not quite as um uh, quite as evident in in traditional venture investing uh but that said as the space does become more competitive as there as there is a little bit more elbowing to try to get into deals, that's unambiguously a good thing for the founders and the companies that are being being formed. It helps to keep the whole space a little bit more honest. Uh, It gives founders more options. Um, And, and over time, it's going to bring, it's going to bring and attract more, more capital into the space, which, um, you know, there's, there's um, there's a lot of there's a lot of different facets of the climate problem um, and in private capital you know there are limits to what private capital will be able to achieve but there is no doubt that in the next um, few years and over the course of the next decade we need to attract a lot more investment into this space
0: and is, is your thesis and profile in terms of uh, stage of investment typical check size uh, um, that that kind of thing is it uh, is it very well defined at this point, or is it intentionally loose with this first vehicle to try to maximize learning and then chart your next move?
1: I think that we've tried to stay pretty flexible, and part of that is just a reflection of the fact that when we got started, we were investing somewhat opportunistically as we were beginning to get to know the space and you know the people that were the people that were in it. Um, we don't have a super rigid view of. Precisely what percentage of a company we need to acquire in every round to, you know, to meet our our, our expected returns in a decade, um, which isn't to say those are bad things, but just that we've tried to be more flexible and responsive to the needs of the actual partners, into you know, the entrepreneurs and companies that we're partnering with. Um, you know, we've we've written checks in the low in the low six figures, um, and we've written checks in the millions, and a lot of that has to do more with with the specific needs of the company and the stage that they're at, um, and you know what they. They need to, you know, finish the next prototype or begin to build a pilot facility than it does with um, kind of a specific desire to carve out, uh, to carve out a, you know, a, a target on the cap table for ourselves. Um, and, uh, and you know, of course, I think as, as time goes on, that that will, you know, tend to solidify itself a little bit more. I think the space is also really nascent and, you know, no one really knows exactly what um you know what's what's required and so um you know it's an evolving process and i think we'll we'll continue to get better but i i guess the message i would leave you with or i would leave an entrepreneur with is to say you know let us know what you need and and to the greatest extent possible you know we're gonna we're gonna try to help you succeed
0: and how do you feel about additionality uh if a company passes the mr burns test presumably it could be raising money from lots of different market-based capital you know profit-seeking places so uh you know in the, in that in that scenario is is lowercase uh, trying to earn its way onto that cap t- or lower carbon rather trying to earn its way onto that cat table or or would you pass and and, and let the you know more purely financial oriented investors t- uh, take those opportunities
1: yeah that's a really great question I think it's something that that anyone who's beginning to invest this space has to grapple with I um, I take great pride in the fact that up until this point um, we've invested in a lot of companies that today, I think passed the Mr. Burns test, but that at the point when we decided to to write a check weren't such an obvious uh, an obvious winner. Um, and part of that is because you know they're perceived as being in the you know in the climate tech space um, or in in some kind of subsector. and as a result, we're just kind of less attractive to traditional funds. Um but this is a kind of a new problem for. you know like in, you know the last two years, like proving additionality wasn't that hard. Um uh because in a lot of cases you know, we know we're kind of really you know hustling to put to put rounds together um and uh I think uh as some of these companies begin to um to have really competitive series a's and b's. Um, we're, that's a that's a question that we're going to have to grapple with, um, and it's you know a question not just for us but also as we you know as we think about you know uh, our LPs and, and how and how we want to bring people into this space, how we you know how to how to provide a sense of confidence that this is not just impact investing, but in fact this is this is um, this is a sector that's going to see a lot of growth over the coming decades and the creation of a lot of uh, a lot of value. So um, I, I think it's a it's a strategic question not just for us but for but for other funds in the space to make sure that we're um, that we're uh, you know both helping to actual you know foster innovation that's that's actually required to solve the problem as well as bringing people along and creating confidence um, and excitement about about investing in climate tech. Uh
0: huh. So is is lower carbon uh, structurally is it a fund with outside LPs?
1: Um, yes, we're a fund. Um, It took us a little while to get to this point. Um, uh, But, um, you know, but here we are, it's a separate entity from, from, from lowercase capital. Um, Obviously, a lot of the same folks involved are in, you know, sitting around the table. Uh, But, um, you know, what we're building now, I think is the foundation for, uh, you know, for, for, for a fund that will grow and, and have many iterations in the years to come.
0: Uh-huh. And and uh first of all, let me just state for the record that I'm really glad you guys are here. Uh and um, you know, although my questions are pointed, I I know uh I mean, because I've been kind of mucking my way through this myself that
1: we've um, been we've been at it together, man.
0: Yeah, and and I think I think you just have to be comfortable with some degree of ambiguity to be coming into the market at this phase, and that's a fact. Uh and I get up every day and I'm more excited about this market than anything, both of because of its importance for the world, but also selfishly because of the opportunities. Uh, but it's not going to be like well-defined in a box with a bow on it. Right. I mean, there's going to be some kind of bushwhacking to, to figure totally, it out. And I, I
1: think, think we've that. talked about this a little bit, which is, you know, this really deeply uh, felt, if somewhat vague sense that we're sitting um, on the, on the precipice of an opportunity. It's, you know, bigger than the internet was um, even if the exact contours aren't precisely clear to us today. Um, and so it, it, like you said, it requires you to sort of get comfortable with the fact that, you know, some of this is still going to be defined um, and you know, that it's, that it's on us on the relatively still relatively small communities, people that are working in this space to define it in a way that can be successful. Um, because that's, that's not a sure thing. Uh, but that if, if we succeed that, um, that that the opportunity is is you know obviously financially really attractive, but also and much more importantly, um, it's you know to to keep the world livable for for billions of people and, and animals and plants and ecosystems.
0: Yeah, and I I know that's the place where you guys are coming from. I think there's going to be you know a bunch of dollars that are coming this way. Uh, you know, some of <laughs> which are very much that way, some of which that are more purely profit motivated, and everything in between, and. Uh, and, I don't-
1: and we welcome all I don't- of it. I mean, you know, it's, you know, I think, I think we're both investors in, in carbon engineering. Um, and, you know, that's a company and a sector, direct air capture, that I have um, a lot of hope about. Um, and yet, I know that in a lot of, you know, uh, for, for carbon engineering and for other direct air capture companies in the, in the future, um, some of the big equity checks and business partnerships are going to come with fossil fuel companies, um and you know there's an instinct definitely to want to be somewhat you know, punitive toward those industries and to feel like, hey, you're the reason why we're in this mess in the first place. Uh, And I get that, and a lot of that is very warranted. And at the same time, looking forward, I mean, you know, Roger Ains and and Jennifer Wilcox and a bunch of of really fantastic scientists and policy experts in California just put out a plan to get California to net zero in 2045. To do that means we're going to have to draw on the dollars and expertise of those industries to build the pipelines, to get the oil back in the ground. and to And to advance the technology to a state where it's, where it's competitive on price. And so, you know, I guess, um, you know, obviously I would love for everyone to, uh, to wake up tomorrow morning and feel as passionately and burningly motivated to, to work on this stuff as, as, as I do. And as so many others who, who came before us do. Um, but, but I welcome, I welcome every new dollar that comes in that, um, that's going to help solve this problem because at this point we just don't have the luxury of, of, of getting on a higher horse. Uh,
0: well, I just did a quick time check. And uh, given that there's no way we're going to cover everything we want to cover today, and hopefully this is like my audition tape to convince you to come on and do a long form, uh, real episode on, on my climate journey where we can We'll do
1: a fun one. Yeah.
0: Yeah, where we can really get into that. <laughs> um, but I want to leave time for a couple things. One, for you to talk about the you know, the roles that you're hiring for. And the other is we've had a bunch of questions that I've been ignoring to not muck with my active listening as we've been going, but it'd be great to maybe pick off a few of those as well. If you're down with it,
1: let's do it, man.
0: Cool. So tell me about the roles. You guys have three roles that you opened up, you, uh, uh, you know, what, what are you looking for? And, and, uh, and what kinds of profiles, we, uh, what are you looking for? What kinds of profiles sure. do you need? And how should people get in touch with you if they're
1: interested? Definitely. So I mean, you know, I think one of the things that we realized in 2019 as we were getting really active is that we were sort of brushing up against the limits of what, of what uh, the three of us as, uh, as non scientists, uh, you know, could accomplish in this space. And, um, and so it came time, it came time to start growing the team, uh, just, you know, just the, the deal flow. The diligence, um, the relationship building in this space, is, requires, I think, uh, a, a few more people to to cover all that ground. And so, we're hiring, like you said, for for three different roles. I think, um, you know, the the one um, the one I would particularly direct to members of this audience uh, is the principal role for for lower carbon capital. We're looking for someone with uh, with the science and, and technical background to help lead um, to help lead technical diligence. Um, to uh, source investments, um, to, to parse through to parse through research and generally to join what is a small and, and pretty scrappy team. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> I mean, go on the website at lowercarbon.com slash jobs or lowercarbon.com slash principal where you can see the job description. Um, the truth is like, you know, and you've seen this, you've seen this uh, from from some of the conversations you've had, but the specific set of, of um of experiences that could make sense for this role um are so broad that we're not trying to get caught up in in checking off uh every single box um we've we've outlined a, a few of the areas that we think um could be really relevant i think having an experience and, and background in investing um could definitely could definitely give someone a head start but by no means is it a prerequisite um from a science standpoint you know there are a lot of there are a lot of potential um uh, you know sets of trainings that that would make up that would make a lot of sense here um, and no one's going to be an expert in all of them but uh, whether it's um, uh, you know physical chemistry or physics or um, uh, an engineer someone who's an expert in energy systems or is focused specifically on carbon removal any of those can be relevant I think the most important thing is um, is you know is someone who has a lot of versatility and um, and is going to be able to you know, to jump in with with entrepreneurs and, and quickly get up to speed. Uh, and then we've got two other roles that we're hiring for. We're hiring um, uh, for an analyst role, um, which will be 75 or 80% focused on lower carbon, um, but also help us out on, on some of the legacy portfolio stuff uh, from, from lowercase capital, uh, as well as some of the democracy and criminal justice reform portfolios that we've developed over the last couple of years. Um, that's you know that f- for for some for someone out there that is that is the greatest job in the world uh it's going to give exposure to the fields of venture capital and philanthropy uh and democracy and climate change and um and you know if you're the person who wakes up scrolling through you know climate doomsday on Twitter and uh, you know the rollback of our democracy and you're just thinking like I wish I could do something about it like this is a job for you um, and then we're also h- hiring an obsolete I think you know part of uh, part of the beauty of, of lowercase capital um, is that uh, it achieved everything it did for ten years with uh, with very little overhead um, but uh, but now just given the the complexity and the and, and the number of different areas that we reach into um, got to bring an obsolete on to, to help, to help us get a little bit organized. All these jobs are, are, are based in New York. Um, you know, there's a lot more, there's a lot more online. The thing that I would really emphasize is that, you know, we, we arrived at this particular area of focus because, you know, we wake up every day, you know, we're barely made a dent in 2020. The quarter of Australia is on fire. Um, you know we're we're still recovering from uh from the fires in in california last year um there's you know parts of the world are are flooding um we're you know just on just on the verge of of another hurricane season in the southeast um you're, you know news out of the arctic is terrible and this is the one place where every single day reliably i can you know go through a pitch deck catch up with one of our founders and just be inspired and feel like you know as 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 dark as things might seem like you know these are the people that are working on direct solutions to make uh you know to to lessen the effects of climate change and give us a fighting chance and so you know if that speaks to you even if the you know, there's a particular aspect of a job description doesn't quite make sense, or you think you might not be a good fit, reach out to us. My email address is clay at LLC.com. Drop us a note. Um, and let's have a conversation. We're looking, you know, for, for, for motivated and inspired people who, um, you know, who want to work hard and, uh, and, and hustle to, to get all this work done. And so, um, you know, definitely reach out with any questions.
0: Awesome, and then uh, we got a bunch of questions while we were blabbering here, but i I picked out three that uh, let 's do like it run through quickly so one is what wouldn't you guys invest in within this clim- broader climate tech umbrella
1: that's a good question. Um, I think there are a lot of there there are a lot of companies that i 've been really inspired by that don 't quite fit our kind of focus on 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 hard tech um, that I think are nevertheless like really really attractive. Um, businesses, there's there's some stuff specifically in the in the solar and renewable space, um, the deployment of electric vehicle fleets um, that I think is very investable, but just not for us um, in the sense that it it doesn't fit into the like the really hard to decarbonize sectors of the economy. It feels in some ways less additional to get back to one of your earlier questions. Um, and so um, the, like the, the one exception on energy generation, electricity generation is that we've invested in a couple of, of fusion startups and we're psyched about those. And if, you know, that works out and we have uh, fusion by 2030, then, you know, it makes a lot of our changes, the curve on a lot of our other problems. Um, but, uh, but we've mostly stayed away from electricity generation.
0: Awesome. And then uh, uh, under the bias time bucket, uh, one listener asked about what, you think about adaptation and resiliency and, and whether that's important too.
1: <coughs> yes, absolutely. Um, and, um, you know, I think our, our kind of adaptation focus has been on, on, on sunlight reflection, because it's kind of the, the, the top of the stack um, from, you know, from a survivability standpoint. Um, but, uh, but those are things that we absolutely look at. Um, and I think there's going to be more, you know, I think our appetite to to invest in that space um, and and to support it through through nonprofit and grants is going to go up, and it should go up for everyone because I think it's going to be really hard to to look away from, you know, from from increasingly dire uh, consequences in the in the coming years.
0: And last question is just for people like uh, you and I that are maybe you know you three years ago or me a year ago or whatever that like are seeing the symptoms or reading the news or listening to the scientists, et cetera, and super concerned. But, but, but like, there's so much here and it's, it's so hard to just even like get your bearings on what's going on, let alone where the opportunities are. So looking back on the last three years for those people coming in now, any suggestions for resources, podcasts, or
1: listen to the pod? Yeah.
0: Yeah. But besides the My Climate Journey plug, I mean, we love the My Climate Journey plug, but, uh, um, uh, but seriously, what, um, what's what been most impactful for you as you've got yourself up the learning curve?
1: I mean, you know, there's not a specific book or, or podcast that I necessarily want to point to um, because it really has been kind of the cumulative impact of, of, of all the reading and research that we've done. But I guess the message that I would give is like, don't let what you don't know hold you back. Just start doing the work. And I think, I mean, that's to me like the beauty of the My Climate Journey pod um, is you just started putting it out there and and, and rolling with it. Um, And there were times where you were caught off guard or maybe didn't know the answer to something and that wasn't going to be the thing that held you back. Every single person um, who's who's listening today, you know, I'm not a scientist. Um, If, you know, every single person who's listening today has something to contribute to this work, um, figure out what your superpower is and inevitably, like one of the companies or organizations or or nonprofits that's working in this space will benefit from it so so just you know i would say take some time to reflect on 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 what your skills are what your unique um you know contribution to your company or organization is and and go find a company in the climate tech space that needs that because they are out there right like these these companies can't live entirely off of 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 engineers and 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 physicists Um, they need people that are working on business operations they need people that are you know uh, coding and programming they're going to need people that are um you know filling ops rules and so um you know just uh don't be held up and and jump into it um because uh this this only gets more urgent every single day
0: well uh, I want to thank you so much for not only for all the work that you've done, but also for taking the time here to educate me and educate listeners about it. So I'm um, wishing you every success. And, and hopefully this was a nice little appetizer before we you know, do the long form episode and
1: really kind of get
0: into the guts on this stuff.
1: Yeah. Next time in Boston, man.
0: Sounds good. Clay, any parting words, anything I didn't ask you that I should have or or uh, you know, final words for
1: listeners? No, you are the, the consummate interviewer you you nailed it
0: awesome well thanks again talk to you soon talk to you
1: soon man bye